Welcome back to Division One Rejects, episode 117. It is August 7th, getting closer and closer and closer to week one. But today was day one for a lot of Division Three, Division Two squads, NAIA across the country as they open fall camp. Tonight we'll talk to a Division Three coach out in West Virginia as Josh Rance. He is the offensive coordinator over at Bethany College. He's 24 years old, Gavin. It's Matt Young. 24, I'm 22. I'm 19. I ain't no <laughs> offensive coordinator, dog. Not happen. Maybe I'm Madden. With my, <laughs> that's good. That's my franchise. Uh, franchise over there. Um, but with my injuries, technically, if um, if I was going to continue to play football uh, due to the COVID year and a couple of injury, you get those couple of years. I would have been playing until I was about 25, 26. This guy's wow. an OC at a Division three school at 24. Unreal. Pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, any level of football, college football especially, that's impressive. We'll talk to him very soon, learn about uh, what exactly Bison Ball is over in West Virginia. The gif that he replied to on Twitter, I don't know if you saw that, it was it was freaking hilarious. It's, a, it's literally a bison with like one of those big kongs on a rope, and he's just <laughs> tossing it around. <laughs> it was sick. But uh, a happy 50th anniversary to D2 and D3 sports today. Didn't know that was a thing. I'm here to celebrate it. We're here to celebrate it uh, with this show. This is our gift to, to all of you. But uh, as far as small college football goes, the NSIC, Northern Sun Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, their preseason rankings are out. Their offensive and defensive preseason players of the year. One of them is a D1R athlete. He's up on the wall in here in the studio. We're going to talk about him and a couple of those squads here pretty soon. Northern Michigan, our squad up here, the Wildcats. We just got a renovated locker room. We're going to take a first look at some new pictures out of that place. It looks incredible. Yeah, really pumped about that one. And then on the NFL side of things, we've got an NFL team testing players' urine in the facility. <laughs> Not sure I was ever going to say that one on this microphone. <laughs> ever. Um, did you did you already look at it or no? I gave it a little peek. You did. Okay, I was gonna I was gonna make you guess what team, but you know. Yeah. Okay. Damn it, because that would have been kind of funny. Like, just which team you think would be? Yeah. Either way, it's gonna be a fun one. And uh, the NFL also introduces. You're calling it the new Antonio Brown rule. That's that's what uh, oh, what's his name? One of the reporters. That's what he called it. Was it Florio? Who was it? Florio? It's unofficially. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, Florio, yeah. yeah, it was Florio. That's something else, man. We're going to talk about uh, all that and more, obviously, if you are on YouTube. Do not forget the timestamps bottom of the episode. You can fast forward to any part of that conversation. Timestamps are also posted on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, which is where you can find this episode as well. Follow us on Twitter, D1 underscore rejects, on Instagram at Division1 rejects, and subscribe on the YouTube. We want to do some shows on the road this year. We need to get to 1,000 subs. We can do those live. That would be a blessing. That would be fantastic. But uh, without further ado, to get into all that conversation, let's go right to the conversation with Coach Rance. Joining the show tonight, probably one of the youngest offensive coordinators in the country at 24 years old, or years young, depending on how you look at it. The man in charge of the Bison offense at Bethany College in West Virginia, it's Josh Rance. What's going on, Coach? How are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Pumped. Pumped to get you on here. Um, by the way, you were, the quote to the tweet with the Bison ball, GIF, with that thing thrown around, like what looks like no. a, a, what are those called? The You give your dogs, the Kongs on steroids. Yeah. One of yeah. those things. That might be the most perfect GIF response I've seen on the uh, Twitter or the X app in quite some time. Yeah, so our, our head coach, Brandon Robinson, he uh, he, he kind of says anytime I tweet bison ball, I pretty much got to use that thing. It's his favorite thing in the world, just bison <laughs> with his ball, man. I love it, dude. What is, uh, if I were to ask you, what is bison ball? So when we talk about bison ball, it's kind of the four core tenets of our program. You know, it's sacrifice, accountability, um, effort and toughness go together, and then commitment. So that's something that Coach Rob really does as a head coach. Um, building the culture of our program, he really hammers that home. And then we kind of put our own little wrinkles off of it offensively and then defensively with our defense coordinator, Robbie Brown. 
Um, you know, he he kind of adds his own twist off it as well. But those are our four core tenets of our program. Hell yeah, I love that. You said you were mudding footballs all day. What kind of process you go through there? Or are those uh, secrets of the trade cannot divulge? No, I mean anyone can watch the YouTube video. I actually had a great had a great uh, equipment guy when I was coaching at Baldwin Wallace showed me okay. his process of it. So he's up at Central Michigan now running their equipment room. So I think we got some pretty good footballs, but definitely got to put it in and, and do it myself down in the locker room. Some of our uh, guys on campus helping me out. So Central Michigan saw he was mudding those damn balls. They got to pick him up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that is an art form, man. I think that's like equipment managers are very. They pick and choose which things to be like very passionate about. I feel like each one of them has their own prideful thing. And a lot of them seems to be how they handle footballs is like, that's their, that is their deal. And if you get in the way of that, you're gonna be on their shit list for a long time. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nate down <laughs> in the equipment room at BW, man, he'd be out there. Like it was like a seven day process, towels everywhere, empty bottles of shaving cream, blaring music. And you just had to stay out of the equipment room for that week. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. Um, and I guess what I wanted to open with this is that, you know, a pretty cool thing that Bethany College, a lot of other schools uh, in that area are doing, offering the expedited transfer process for those students from Alderson Broadus. We talked about them on the show uh, last week. Can't imagine not only canceling football, but the entire university is just going under. And now you're at a point where you're so close to the fall semester. All those students, like I said, could not imagine just going through that process, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, the heart really goes out to the kids from AB. You know, that's a, that's a tough process to go through. Um, like you said, especially this close to the school year, let alone season for athletes with camp starting up. You know, we we report Wednesday. You know, yep. Those guys were supposed to report in a few days ago. So, um, you know, all their coaches, all the staff at the whole college, heart goes out to them. Um, but, you know, our our uh, administration here at Bethany did a great job kind of being on the ball um, and ready to get it going. So, you know, it was really a whole, whole college effort, academics, athletics, you know, the president, everyone involved, making sure that um, those kids are taken care of so they have a place to go to school and they don't have to miss out on a year of – education and then sports for the athletes that wanted to transfer as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And they might obviously not have their pick of the litter as far as where they're at in the semester, depending on the sport, especially fall sports, football being one of them. But uh, you guys picking up any players from there or can't you say? Uh, yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave, you know, if we're picking up any or not, but we've definitely been, been talking out, talking okay. to guys. I'll definitely yeah. say that. I'll just take that as a yes. We'll just, yeah, yeah. but you didn't say <laughs> it. I just, I just interpreted it. Um, but talk about, let's talk about you a little bit. When you got the role of offensive coordinator, said in the bio, about halfway through the season, you were elevated into that position. What was that transition like um, and going to be the guy now that is in charge of the bison ball? Um, you know, it's it's been a really fun process. It's kind of in the middle of the season. You don't expect it, right? And I was a, I was a first-time special teams coordinator heading into that year and then getting bumped up to OC so fast. Uh, pumped about it, but it's one of those, man, I got, I got a lot of work to do. But um, Coach Rob, our head coach, does a great job, been a great offense coordinator for a while kind of my mentor in the coaching world. So he helped me through it. And then Clayton Stanton, our young, you know, offensive line coach, we actually played together at Baldwin Wallace. Okay. Um, you know, he he's a great guy in the run game, knows what he's doing, gets those guys right every week. So really just allows us to kind of have the freedom to, you know, work together as a staff and kind of help each other grow all together and, you know, makes being a young OC a little less stressful when you got a good staff around you. Absolutely. That's a that's a big time. Now you do that, you finish off that season, and now you've got this whole offseason under your belt where I'm sure you're able to go back to the drawing board and get a better grasp on what exactly it is you guys want to do conceptually and schematically. Heading into this fall, a lot more secure, a lot more confident, or what's the uh, the vibe around the offense? It's really just the vibe around the whole team. You know, we we got hired late. Um, you know, I didn't even get down here till last May. Okay. Um, so, you know, last year was really just setting the culture into place, learning the roster, um, and, and you know, recruiting, right? You were – 
we got to add to this roster and add a lot of talent. And then a lot of the talented older guys we have coming back, um, it's going to be an exciting time. So just really as a program, um, definitely getting the X's and O's in, guys understanding it, um, but really having that full season to make sure it, it turns into the program and, and the way we want to run it on the schedule we want to run it. So um, just overall a lot more settled of a vibe, I'd say, around the team this year. That's good. That's big time. Yeah, because then all of a sudden you have to worry less about, you know, the culture and those things because if you do it right, that's something that is implemented and it sticks around because the players are the ones on the great teams that eventually uphold that. It's not out on the coaches quite as much. But uh, let's talk about your mentor a little bit, Coach Rob over there. You had said, you know, he's been a mentor for you and even in the DM, like you're, when you're DMing me and had said, like, how down to earth this guy is. In the locker room, doing laundry, like, wears a lot of hats, does whatever needs to be done. Talk about him a little bit. So, I mean, when you talk about Bison Ball, like, he's a leader that kind of does it the way he asks for it to be done which I think means a lot, right? You never really know with head coaches when they go all in on the culture thing. Are they are they really backing it up or is it more of a recruiting pitch? And yep. Coach Rob backs it up every single day. You know, he's he's helping us with everything. You know, our office is getting remodeled. He's hanging whiteboards with us. He's on the drill, um, you know, holding whiteboards while I'm on the drill. So he's not afraid to, to get down there and, and help the GAs out and what they need and help us out and what we need. So it makes it easy to work for a guy like that because, um, you know, he's going right there, you know, through it with you. Oh yeah, how many guys you guys uh, have on staff over there? Um, in the office every day, eight. Okay. Um, so couple uh, G, couple GAs, couple interns. Um, Steve Daly has been coaching at Wheeling the past couple of years. Um, as the assistant line coach, was the head coach at Steubenville Central Catholic for a while. Um, he's coming on staff. He's also a high school teacher. Um, but Man. he's in the area, so it works out. That's awesome. Know, with, our, with our practice wise, and then a few yeah. other guys that. Um, they'll be there during practice, but they won't be in the office during the day. So um, it's, it's going to be a fun staff, a lot more help than we had last year. Last year, we only had like six or seven guys. So that's big time. This year, I think we'll have 13 on the field, you know, at practice every day. So we were sitting out at, at camp today, and um, one of our athletic training students uh, was talking to me, and just someone who's kind of outside of the football world. And she looks out, and there's all these coaches at warm ups, and we've got a, a decent, decently large staff up here at Northern. And yeah. she's like, basically, like, why the hell do they need all these coaches? And I'm like, if you think this is crazy, this is technically not even a full staff. You should yeah. go to some of these. You should see some of these programs that have the full-timer and then the assistant and then the intern at every single spot. Yeah. Football, man, game of logistics, you've done it at a lot of levels now. You even started at the middle school level, high school. Now you're coaching on the college scene, coordinator under your experience. Has it just this last couple years for you just felt like up, 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 up trajectory is just crazy or what? Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely been one of those things. Uh, I think coaching, you just got to be willing to take a risk, right? I mean, I'm from the west side of Cleveland, grew up in Rocky River, Ohio, 10 minutes outside of Cleveland, and uh, never would have thought I would have ended up in Bethany, West Virginia, coaching college football, right? So, oh, yeah. Um, I just went back to coach for my alma mater after playing college for a year and uh, just kind of kept taking opportunities where they led and, you know, glad that Coach Hilbert at BW gave me my first opportunity in college to volunteer during the COVID spring season, so... That's, that's really kind of where it kicked off. Yeah, foot in the door. I think that's probably the biggest one because, like you said, whatever connections you make at that first place usually ends up leaning into job two, job three, whatever it is down the road. But back to you, back to Bethany, and uh, back to Coach Rob. Did he trust you with the offense from the jump? It was one of those things where it was like, here, take it, here's the reins to the yeah. offense, or was that a – because you said you come in halfway through the season, was that a, you know, let's, let's see what you're about a little bit, earn that role as we uh, continue through this thing. No, it's like when uh, you get your driver's license in high school and you're on that first long road trip and your dad's like, hey, you can drive now. Go ahead. 
Um, so kind of just tossed me the keys. Now, once again, he, he was holding my hand through game plan and all that. But, you know, when it came to calling it, he was like, go ahead, have fun with it, man. Like, it's your offense. Put your little twist on it, whatever you want to do, and have fun calling plays. And he's there when I need help. And there was definitely some times late in games where during timeouts, he was walking me through some thought processes. But I need that. You know what I mean? Can't can't have the answers to that right away. So I'm grateful for that balance he does of giving me some freedom, but also knowing that, uh, you know, I'm not going to drown out there. He's, he's, he's the life vest if I need him. Absolutely. Any play calls during the year last year where uh, you called this and you're just waiting to see his reaction down there on the sideline? <laughs> so Coach Stanton and I like to actually have fun with Coach Rob. So uh, <laughs> okay, There we game, go. Yeah, good. <laughs> first game, we're, we're calling plays. And uh, actually, I did it to him as special teams coordinator against Hiram week one. Opening kickoff, we go out there, it's dead silent over the headsets, and I just go, hey, Brandon, watch this. And he, what? What? And just turns, and we just we kick the deep left like we're good. Um, but, you know, just little stuff like that. Um, so play calling-wise, same deal. Like, I'd come in and be like, hey, what do you think of this first first play of the game? And draw some just absolutely asinine thing. <laughs> be like, you please go back and just keep watching film, man. I'm like, yeah, my bad. So, but he, we like to keep it light in the office, have fun. You know, our, our walls are super thin. Um, so we pretty much just talk through the walls to each other all day. But that is uh, yeah, hilarious. We, we mess with him a little bit, and he gets us back for sure. That's pretty good, man. Now, uh, going into, like you said, I guess a true year one as the offensive coordinator, what have some of those biggest challenges been off the rip? Obviously, having a guy like Coach Rob at your side to help you through those first couple road bumps would be super beneficial for a guy in your shoes. But nonetheless, still got to go through all those challenges none the same what have a couple of those roadblocks been for you and things you've had to uh, overcome and learn? Uh, definitely, I just think making sure that as a, a young head coach or offense coordinator being a uh, you know kind of my first full-time type gig, making sure I'm just operating on that full-time coach, you know, schedule. Um, you know, I was an intern the two years before at BW, before I got down here to Bethany. And then, like we said, last year was just kind of a whirlwind, so we were just all kind of in it together. But, you know, over the summer, making sure that we're, you know, trying to get a, a schedule squared away and Coach Rob really having to sit me down and be like, hey, you know, I've given you this offense. Let's make sure we're, we're operating right with it and doing things the right way. So just trying to get locked in mentally and find a good schedule here towards the end of summer heading into camp to make Absolutely. sure that uh, we can operate at a high level, you know. The PAC, tough competition out there as far as, you know, D3 is concerned. You guys struggled last year, Coach. Eight points per game. We gotta get those numbers up this fall. What are we uh, without revealing without revealing too much? What are we doing? How are we getting those numbers up this fall? Uh, I think you know just a lot of development in the offseason. What we learned this year is the pack is a physical league. There are some very big physical uh, offensive defensive lines come from the OAC. I think that's a very perimeter oriented league. Um, so we had a very undersized quarterback, pretty undersized O line. So just getting bigger, getting stronger, um, and getting into the system. So I think that'll just kind of naturally take care of itself because I think a lot of the times last year it was just. It was physical. It wasn't scheme. It wasn't even athletic ability, just just strength. Um, but that's part of taking over a program, putting in a good culture, yep. putting in a good weight room culture, definitely. Um, definitely a culture shock for our guys this winter, how, how hard how hard the, the workouts were at times. Yeah, I bet. And you felt really solid. You had said about this recruiting class that you guys are bringing in. Obviously, you don't expect the majority of those guys to hit the field running and be big-time contributors this fall, but this is a long game just like anything. And, uh, you know, just talk about that class and how you feel about them as a whole. I think they're I think they're a great group of guys. You know, I think some of them definitely have an opportunity to compete this fall. It's a, it's a great thing recruiting wise when you can honestly tell kids, you know, hey, you have a chance to compete. We're not going to promise you're going to start, but if you want an honest chance to come in and push some older guys and potentially play three, four years of college football, come here and do it. And I think that appealed to a lot of the guys in in our area. You know, the Ohio Valley 
you're competing against the OAC, you're competing against the PAC. Um, you even got some schools down in the ODAC coming up your way in West Virginia. Okay. So it's a tough recruiting area. And so I think that that pitch in a great area of football really resonated with some kids. And we got some really talented guys up. That conference, too, you had mentioned before to me, the high academics in that conference, has that changed the way you recruit guys? I mean, it has to. And as far as your style of play, does that affect it at all? No, I think it makes the the league really balanced and unique. Um, you have some schools that I wouldn't say there's any low academics. You know, Bethany is one of the greatest, you know, academic traditions in the state of West Virginia. It's the first college in the state of West Virginia ever. Hey, no. Um, but, you know, at the same time, obviously you got Case, you got Carnegie. Those are some of the finest educations you can get in America. So, um, it makes the league balanced and you got different types of rosters out there, but I don't, it doesn't affect our recruiting at all. No, Good we kind of have our type of guys we look for and we, we stick to that. Good stuff. You mentioned Carnegie. Carnegie's the top dog in the conference right now. Hope you see what I did with that one right there. But, uh, what is it about their squad that makes them a tough matchup? I mean, they ran through league play last year and there's certainly a lot of hype around that squad hanging in 2023. What is it about them that makes them, you know, tough to game plan and as far as a, heading into a matchup? So I think, well, it's interesting is we didn't play Carnegie last year. So the conference was in some like different schedule shifts. So we go 10 conference games this year. We don't have an out of conference, but they were the one we missed out on, but they always seemed to be a team that played the team we were playing the week before. Really? You guys um, didn't play them last year. I didn't, I must've, I must've missed that. Yeah, okay. No, interesting. We, we didn't catch them, um, which, you know, with that defense and them, you know, that that's a great team and we're excited to get the chance to play against them this year, but okay. they, they're, they're just, they're big, they're physical. That defense is great. I mean, they got some of the best players in the country on that defense running around, and they got a good coaching staff. You know, anytime you get those high academic programs that have good football teams, you know what you're going to get. You're going to yep. get physical. You, you know, you're going to get accountable. They're going to do their job. So, you know, similar, I mean, you guys see Hillsdale. My brother played at Ashland, so oh, yeah. I'm familiar with you guys up there. So you see Hillsdale teams like that, right? You're just you're going to get physical, and, you know, they're going to do what they do and dare you to beat it, and Carnegie does it, you know, at a very high level, some of the best in the country, so. Absolutely, man. Well, excited to see you guys uh, start to start to see that culture and see the results, right? Reap the uh, fruits of your labor over there in Bethany. Big year for you guys, hopefully. And, uh, you know, what the bison ball turns out to be in 2023. I'm excited. But uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. That's all I got for you, man. Yeah, appreciate you guys for having me on. Thanks so much. And uh, excited for a great season and see what you guys keep doing on the pod. Big fan. My man. All right. Have a good one, brother. I appreciate yeah, you. I appreciate you guys. Thank you, Coach Rance. Coming on, talking about a little bison ball. Bison got to be one of the best. If I were to start a college tomorrow or a school, probably one of the best mascots would be on the top of my list. Yeah, I, think. I would agree. I, Correct? It's a dope, it it's is. A dope mascot. Pretty sick. Although, uh, when we did the, that D3 mascot rank, is the fighting Muskie, like that would be up there 100%. Oh, yeah. I don't know about uh, who's the number one is technically the Thunder, not the Mastodon. It's weird. I don't know, but that mammoth was kind of sick. Oh, he's badass. Number one <laughs> for a reason. Uh, but. We can switch over to the Division II side of things and the Northern Sun Intercollegiate Conference. That would be, uh, for those of you not familiar, most of the Minnesota schools, got a couple schools out in like South Dakota and that kind of Western Midwest type area. But uh, here's a look at the preseason coaches poll. Bemidji State, on top of this one, but Gavin, the first thing you'll notice, they don't have the number one amount of first place votes. They have four votes for first place, while Minnesota State, or Mankato as they're referred to, beneath them at number two by six points actually has a one more first place vote than the Beavers. How does that work? I don't know if I've ever seen that happen before. It must just strictly go based off these points. But then what's the point of first place? When I saw that earlier, I was like, yeah. huh? Like a typo, actually. Yeah, it made no sense. Yeah, what is the point of first place votes if, if the person count. with the team with the most first place votes is in second place? Is in second place. I'm actually not sure about that, but honestly, the thing that jumped out to me about this is the obvious tiers of this conference. I mean, you look one through six 
is a difference of less than 30 points on this poll as far as the coaches and where they rank these teams. Bemidji State's at 131. Winona at 6 at 103. All these squads, Bemidji, Mankato, Wayne State, Augustana, Duluth, Winona, are all vying for that, really, that top position. And I thought that was even further demonstrated because you've got Wayne State and Augustana both with two first-place votes, which is actually kind of surprising when you look at uh, the standings from last year. Wayne State, though, finished 9-2. and two. Augustana, 7-4. and four. They kind of dropped off, I believe, towards the second half of the season. The train kind of came off the rails there, but um, still put together a couple really quality wins, and when you're playing in this conference, every week is uh, has the potential to be that kind of win. So I think the biggest thing looking at this is that, like, this is the coaches' poll. Like, this is not some schmucks like me or you, like, making these rankings. These are the <laughs> yeah. coaches in the league making this, so they obviously see something to warrant giving these teams first-place votes, I guess. They know what's up. They have to, right? I mean, they're in mm-hmm. the league. So, yeah. pretty interesting note there. Um, as far as the northern side of the division goes, I feel like the south is where, uh, if you look at just like the past couple years of experience, the south is where most of the competition has been. You have Mankato, Winona, Wayne, Augustana, uh, Sioux Falls even. Upper Iowa is actually leaving the conference. You notice they're not on this list. We posted just a, a little while back the GLVC rankings. Yeah. They've made the move over to the Great Lakes Valley Conference, I believe is the, the title of that one. So they will no longer be a part of this Northern Sun Conference. Still a huge conference. Yeah, that's a lot of teams. It is. 12 different squads in this one, which is a really healthy number. And looking at uh, part of the article here, the NSIC, uh, it says, oh, it says, sorry, 13. 13 teams. I see 12, but they're tied for 12th place, uh, Minot State and University of Mary. 13 teams, they play 10 conference games over an 11-week schedule. So this is actually, I believe, the first year that Northern Sun teams will have an out-of-conference game. We pick up two of those guys. We play uh, Minnesota Duluth to open the year. We play Northern State to close the year. And so that is, for each of them, that is their only out-of-conference game for the entire year. Oh, wow. Pretty crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Because you think the GLIAC, we only have seven teams, so Mm -hmm. it's a necessity. And actually, in years past, we've doubled up. So we had to play Davenport twice for a couple years there. Much rather just do out-of-conference, I think. Unless we could play Tech twice. I mean, that'd be fun. That'd be dope. Yeah. That's, that'd be pretty that'd sweet. That'd be electric. That'd be pretty sweet. Um, so that is at least worth noting is that all these teams are going to have out-of-conference games this year. And uh, looking to see who those teams schedule, I think, is always uh, a really interesting point of contention with me. And I just, yeah, I can't really get over the fact that Bemidji has, is, is in first place without the number one amount make of, sense. of first place votes. But um, as far as the other awards in the conference, you know, the media day and the preseason awards and those type of things, the offensive player of the year in the Northern Sun Conference, that's the quarterback from Bemidji State, Brandon Alt right here. This guy has had a ridiculous career. We posted an article actually about some of the, uh, you know, the top quarterbacks in Division Two to watch heading into this season. This guy was on the top of that list. He is a super, super senior. And I say that because his first two or even three years of college ball, couple injuries and a COVID year, he didn't even get to play. Damn. Absolutely insane. So he finally comes out 2021 here, and he's a team captain. He was fifth in the voting, final voting for the Harlan Hill, the D2 Heisman, and an all-super all region four, second team, North Division, all-conference, second-team offense. He was the NSIC Offensive Player of the Week on multiple occasions in the Bemidji State Male Athlete of the Year. That was his first time really even being able to play. And like I said, right on top of that list, team captain only as technically a sophomore on the field. He comes out last year, has an even better year. 
potentially. He makes a D2 football elite 100. Again, top 10 Harlan Hill finalist. Don Hanson, All-American honorable mention. Super region, blah, 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 blah. All of these first-team all-conference. This guy is on fire. It feels like his trajectory, excuse me, is just continuing to go up, up, and up. As far as like some of the actual numbers go here, in 2022, where are we at? Here we are. 2022, this guy threw for 3,800 yards. In 2021, he threw for 4,200 yards. In the last two years, he's thrown for like almost 90 touchdowns compared to under 40 interceptions. So that's a decent ratio, not really that bad. Um, he's averaging about 300 passing yards per game. So what I'm hearing is he's not half bad. No. Uh, Pretty man. solid play. Yeah, resume. Yeah, resume. <laughs> we'll say, though, this is the guy that's going to sit. Like, he's just in the pocket. He's a threat with his arm. Not so much with his legs. Obviously not a dig, Brandon. But just letting you know, um, in 2022, he had 27 rushing yards with a long of 19. So he got out and scrambled, and then he said, that's about it. I'm cool. <laughs> he was like, I'm done here. <laughs> But that is, uh, he's going to be a big-time player for them this year, leading leading that offensive attack for the Beavers, who, like we said, are technically picked to win the conference. They had a share of the conference title last year. They won the north side of the division. The defensive preseason player of the year, that being Ian Marshall, one of our D1R athletes, sponsored athletes. He comes from Oklahoma State. Last year had a breakout year for the Wolves at Northern State. And... Some of the stats that he had, I mean, he broke the single-game sack record, the single-season sack record, and we had him on the podcast. You can go back and listen to that episode. He's a graduate student. He's got one more year of eligibility, and this is supposed to be, a, I mean, you can tell. This is going to be a pretty big year for Ian over there. Appeared in all 11 games last year, recorded 39 tackles, 29 solos, 24-and-a-half tackles for loss because he plays interior, which I think is a big part of his game. He's not a pass, technically not a pass rusher off the edge. So for mm-hmm. him to have... Him to have this many sacks, that being 14, 14 sacks on the year, added 124 yards for a loss on tackles. 124? <laughs> that's ridiculous. Jesus. I mean, that's pretty crazy. So yeah. uh, he's going to be a staple of that defense for a team that, you know, we really didn't talk about. We're talking about those rankings. They're in the middle of the pack, definitely vying to uh, go up a couple spots. But that's that's why they're preseason rankings, not postseason rankings. He's a, he was, this past year, the NSIC Newcomer and Defensive Player of the Year uh, award winner. So for him to retain, I guess, this award makes quite a bit of sense. But we can transition. Let's talk about a team that, uh, admittedly, we don't talk a whole lot about in this pod. That being our team, Northern Michigan, the Wildcats. Wildcats, baby. Wildcats. I, I try to avoid a lot because I don't want to seem like a homer. Yeah. Obviously, playing here, being here, I don't want to um, throw them in the podcast every time. But... Uh, Today, I think, is a pretty worthy reason because we just got a renovated rock locker room, excuse me, up here at Northern Michigan. And uh, this thing looks awesome. I will let you all watching on YouTube be the judge of it yourself. It's out on our Twitter account. I posted it earlier today on MU Football because um, I do happen to run those socials. But why don't we take a look? This is the video we threw up there. First shot right here. I mean, mm. the biggest thing you'll see, like, that cat head on the top. Any locker room that's got something like this, man, like count me in. That is the easiest way to make a really clean locker room. Wins me over instantly, dude. Absolutely. You can see like in this frame right here, and I've got some better pictures we'll look at in a second, but the big wraps, I was actually able to help out and work on a couple of those um, in the design process. They just turned out really clean, like really slick. And, you know, I don't have any pictures like before the locker room, but... You just have to imagine, like, this is a big upgrade as far as visually goes. The space has always been really nice, but to get a facelift like this. Oh, right there. Yeah. Eee! Really clean stuff. like that a lot. We, us, and our 
kind of our pillars up here. Boy's pretty excited about that. Ooh, like that little slash. You like that? I did like it's that. It's pretty clean. So we got the reveal earlier today, excuse me, the first day of camp for the Wildcats, and I've got some pictures that we can uh, look at here real quick, Gavin. But I'm, I'm just pretty pumped. Like I said, that space has always been a really nice space, but what it needed – like badly is a facelift yeah. and that's exactly what it got really so very excited about that let's look at a couple pictures this gives you a better idea of i think it's kind of Damn. the scale of the actual locker room this one's probably my favorite i took i took this while the guys were out at practice today actually yeah. um i ran into the locker room grabbed a couple shots that's just like blacking out the ceiling we have it in our podcast studio that people can't see it on youtube yeah. but like just blacking out the ceiling immediately upgrades any space yeah. to me it upgrades <laughs> yeah. just about i mean i wouldn't do it in my family room at the house Oh, that'd be wild. <laughs> you might have to get locked away for that. That would be insane. You're having dinner in the back cave? Like, what? <laughs> yes. But as far as it comes to, like, these type of environments where the fo- you want the focus to not be mm-hmm. up there, um, yeah, like, this look is so sick. That matte black. And, again, when you have that dark backdrop contrasting to those lights and that lit-up wildcat head in the top, this looks really clean. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. That looks really hard. So. I like the little... Uh panels right there with the NMU logo above it and the little pictures and the yeah on the end on the end of the lockers those look good too those do look really solid I was pumped about those because those were not there either he's talking about the graphics you can see that the green and yellow the split um here's another good angle for us right there that gives you a better idea of kind of what our locker room looks like from a different angle like I said man it's a nice space so it's divided up into like you've got three larger pods on one side and then kind of a couple on the other side so it is like it's a really nice space. We just got those carpet, like the green carpet inserts. I think like a like a dark gray carpet would have been hard. That would have made it a ten out of ten. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that carpet is relatively new. But I, I'll be the first one to say I'm not the biggest fan of how it looks. Um, like I said though, this was a this was a much needed facelift for the place. And we can look at one of those those wraps though, like this guy right here. Oh wow! Hey now, that <laughs> hey thing now, is, that thing's sick, dude. That is so sweet. That looks really nice. Wildcat football. So that's in the that we have two entrances. That's in the one entrance where you walk in, and that's like that. That's where we go out for game day too, actually. So that looks pretty badass. I'm really pumped with how that stuff turned out. You've got the TV over there in the corner, some charging ports for phones and devices and things. Um, it will be nice too. Like it used to be in the locker room, you'd have like a little paper posted or a whiteboard with all the meeting times or special teams, you know, assignments, whatever. All that's just gonna go on a TV, which is like oh That'd my be gosh. Way better. It's just a little touch. So it's much better. Things. Yes, dude. So much. Like, like a quality of life improvement. Like yeah. absolutely just a quality of life improvement because the rest of that shit, it's so annoying having to have like 15, 20 guys crowd around a little piece of paper because they're all trying to find out what yeah. special teams they're on. <laughs> Pisses me off. That's like a pet peeve. It's, it's so like, weird. You know? It's like people who try out for plays and they're like scrambling around to see what role they got. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's actually not, that's not a vacuum like in the movie or something. Like yeah. that's exactly how Wrong it would seem, again. right? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. So let's move over and talk about a little NFL piece here. I, I mentioned it in the intro, and I would be curious to have people guess, like, what NFL team do you think is testing their players' urine? Because that's just such a weird, abstract concept. At the end of the day, it kind of makes sense because you're trying to keep tabs on these guys, keep them honest, and talk about their yeah. hydration. Still, to bring that concept and to put it into practice, excuse me, pretty wild. That being the Jacksonville Jaguars, before we do anything, this is from Scott Hansen the man who does red zone, he's in the facility for who knows what reason. And he takes a look at these urinals over here. Oh, God. Look at these. (laughs) There's a little something in there. It's got a monitor on it. Hell nah. And the basic premise 
is that you piss into this thing. Is piss the correct term? Pee, piss? Urinate. <laughs> Urinate into this thing. And it's going to give you either a green to say, yeah, you're hydrated. Keep it moving. Yellow, hey, you maybe need to get on this, pal. Or red, and the police are called to the facility immediately to apprehend. No, I'm playing. But, <laughs> but <laughs> what? I just imagine like Monsters, Inc., 2319, when the dude comes out with a sock on his back out of the little kid's room. And they, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. That's all I can, methods. that's all I can, yeah, that's all I can see when I think that. But there is a red, honestly, that says like, like, what are you doing, basically? We're probably, yeah. They'll probably put them on, I mean, I would assume they'd put them on maybe like an IV or something because that would be, like, so, that'd be bad. Like, serially dehydrated. You know, when you said they, they were testing urine, I thought it was like you go to, like when you go to the doctor and you take a cup and you, yeah. I didn't know it was like this. It's in the urinal? Yeah. So, now the question is, it would be interesting to see, because that's, when you think about urine testing, you think of drug testing. You don't mm -hmm. think of hydration. You don't piss in a cup for someone to tell you how much water you drank that day. It would be interesting to see if these do end up having a dual purpose. Do you, like, because, again, I'm someone who, like, I've done the NCAA drug test, and there's no sugarcoating it. You walk into a stall. For me, it was with a man. Obviously, for a woman, it would be someone of the same gender. But you walk into this stall. The dude is two feet in front of you, and he's like, <laughs> drop him. Drop. drop there's em. no there's no hide nothing. And it's like... It's just, especially for kids, like, it's such an awkward process. And I understand for the testing, like, you have to be able to see everything that goes on because if there's a test, people will cheat. And that, you know, those things do happen. But long story short, I say that because could pissing into a urinal be a way that they kind of, like, in a slimy way, like, they kind of test for drugs that way? And then someone gets caught up on one of these. Yeah, I think it's, uh, that's a really good way to do that. Because, like, you ever see, did you ever see that news article of the... European basketball player who they did the urine test and he did it with his girlfriend's urine and it came out pregnant. Oh my gosh. So I they do, were I like, remember this. Yeah. Huh? What's How? going on here? <laughs> That's not possible, my friend. So this is a really good way to prevent any of that malarkey. Oh my goodness. That would be ridiculous. I've never, I've never been at, you know, heard anything like that besides from that one instance. Yeah. But there are people who, like I said, if there's a chest, a test, people will cheat. I try to combine the two words in my head right there. But um, this was Scott Hansen's reaction to it. I just thought it was really funny. That is so wild. Just like a soft launch with these. Now, I wonder what the first reaction was from the players, like going into the bathroom and, and seeing that. I would be startled. It's just very interesting. Yeah, just very, very interesting to me. Um, I wanted to just talk about it. Now, uh, it's worth noting, too, as far as the Jaguars, like I'm kind of interested if the Jaguars' priorities are in the right place here, Gavin, because in March, if I pull it up here, the NFL Players Association, the NFLPA, and the NFL Player Team report cards, those came out. If you remember that, they ranked yeah. all the different areas of NFL teams. Um, and while there were no notable words on the Jaguars' bathrooms, no complaints or other exceptions or otherwise, the team did make headlines for issues with rats. Oh, I saw that. The survey said players reported that for three to four weeks during the season, there was, quote, a rat infestation in the locker room and the laundry hampers. How does that even happen? In an NFL facility? NFL facilities? Come on now. It's top class. Rat infestation? They don't have Orkin in Jacksonville? Dude. Yeah, Shredder chilling in the fence? No, dude. Get out of here with that. What are we doing? Not Shredder. Dude, like, what? <laughs> I don't know. I just... Maybe... I'm, I'm, okay, we're going to assume they solved the rat problem before they put robots in the urinals. But if they, it was a reverse order, something's... That's yeah. not right. The jig is up. Like, come Yeah, on that's now. not right. Priorities that's not right at all. Ah, let's, talk about, let's talk about the Antonio Brown rule. The NFL making changes to the personal conduct policy. 
And I guess I'll, I'll let you lead with this one. What exactly was, you know, the first impression from you on this? Yeah, so, like, it's not really called the Antonio Brown rule, but from what I gathered from the article. But that sounds so much better, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, it's definitely inspired. It's because um, players have to tell teams of, like, problematic things before they get signed because with Antonio Brown, he got signed and then he got sued for some stuff he got accused of and then they had to release him and then they're kind of like caught flapping in the wind. Yeah, so sexual the, assault yeah. and rape. And that was, um, he knew about that before signing with the Patriots but Didn't did not him. disclose no. it to the Patriots. And then, <laughs> yeah. that's dicey. And then, so now this is to prevent that. So teams aren't, you know, Absolutely. backing. I'm saying, do you think in that situation, like, do you think the Patriots knew what they were getting into with that? I don't think the Patriots are that dumb to not know what. Right? Like, Like these people do that. Like, those people do background. They have people solely devoted to doing those things. They do their homework. Exactly. Like, so So I find it hard to believe. And from a PR perspective, they can claim negligence because if he didn't disclose it to them, they technically did not know. I have to imagine somebody within the confines of that building knew that this potentially would be an issue and they still did it. Sneaky stuff just to get him on the roster. I don't even know. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why, you know, hence. The uh, the Antonio Brown rule, because his brief stint with the Patriots in 2019 had a big part to do that. It says, in addition, active and prospective players have an obligation to promptly disclose any such incidents to their club or legal, the league office before signing a contract with the club. That is what the revised policy states. So... Very I, interesting. I, yeah, I think it's also inspired from Deshaun Watson. <clears throat> it was, yes, yeah. very much so. Because you think of that contract and how, like, it was so public, too, though. That's a yeah. different piece. It was w- weird. Yeah. And they gave him stacks. Well, technically only $1 million in the first year, right? Yeah. And then it was like, and then, yeah. A little bit of an upgrade. I don't know how they do the salary cap gymnastics over in Cleveland. Um, but <laughs> the Patriots gave Brown a $9 million signing bonus. Did not know that. He was cut after only 11 days. Did he even play? No. No, I don't. Don't believe so. I don't think so, did he? No, I don't. And then he went to a... Per league source, the revisions did indeed result from the Browns case, or Brown case, excuse me, Antonio Brown, and, quote, a few others. So definitely some other stuff going on, but uh, Antonio Brown being the one that's kind of in the limelight for the most part. Just interesting. Just kind of interesting piece. Have you checked out his Instagram lately? Antonio Brown? Dude. No. It's a a scroll. It's wild wild stuff. (laughs) He's an interesting guy. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, he did just get so he he owned that. Was it an arena or indoor football league? It was the uh, I think it was indoor football or yeah. arena. So was, he like he got kicked out of that because he wasn't play, paying his players he wasn't and coaches, his right? Players and like they had to pay for his hotel. I don't. It was whack. And then it's like with the stuff. Is he, Antonio Brown broke? Is that the question we need to ask? There's no way. But and then again, some of these NFL possible. guys, if you do not handle that money correctly, it's also too like whenever you see. These like lofty NFL contracts. Yeah, I never think it's almost like a lottery winning, right? Because you never think like, what is the net payment? That's your you always see the gross number. Mm-hmm. What is your net? Like, what are you bringing home from this contract? I don't think people realize how many different taxes and fees go into those contracts. Oh. They're not Patrick Mahomes is not making five hundred million dollars. No, that's what his contract says. Mm-hmm. No way in hell. You know what tax bracket that puts him in? I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I, well, I have no idea. Did you see that? Um. Unless you're in, like, like that's why a lot of athletes are going to, like, Florida. Yeah. No state income tax. I know there are a couple other states like that, aren't there? I know Probably. Florida's one of them. I don't know on the top of my head. But yeah, but there are, for like, sure. Like, the big contract numbers, like that soccer Mbappe. Yes. A billion. But he, so he turned that down? 
turned it down. Dumbass. Well, he was going to play in the Saudi Arabia uh, soccer league. And uh, I don't know soccer for shit, but apparently it's not a great league. But a no. billion? A billion? Yeah, Are you a billion, you could That's a you B could a, with a B? You could buy a country with that dude. <laughs> buy a country. And you buy several. Turn that down? Come on, man. I do, but I'm not a, you know, well-versed on soccer much either. I think Saudi's kind of middle of the road. Um, I don't know where they compared to like an MLS. That's what I'd be curious. Uh, yeah, to know. I don't know either. Yeah, it was a one-year contract. One year, one Uno. bill. Uno. There, okay, there had to be some type of stipulation because <laughs> yeah. I don't care how loyal you are to any fan base, team, etc. A billy for a year. I would say I would put legacy on hold, yeah, and I'm taking the cash. Dude. Come on, Bob is a stud. Yeah, they just got messy over here. Yeah, they did. Is it that's inner Miami FC or something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I don't. I don't, really, I don't mess with soccer. I, th- I will hard. say this. I saw somebody. So you know how people trash on soccer for being low scoring? Yeah. I saw somebody compare it. Football's low scoring, but the points are made up. You ever seen someone? <clears throat> how do you mean? Like they score like three times a game, but it's not three points. They but add it's like, the numbers. Yeah, but it's 14 to 7 yeah. or something. You so know I was what like, I mean? That kind of broke my mind. Yeah. I was like, whoa. Yeah. And now football, I think football is just the nature of the game is different because you have definitive plays. Yeah. You have a start and stop. And as, a, as someone who films football, it makes it so much easier because it's start recording, stop recording, which yeah. I, I appreciate. The game is segmented off. Where soccer, there's not. And the clock just runs. And I think that's part of the reason why it feels like it takes so long is because you don't have these moments. You do have moments of high action. Mm-hmm. I think they just happen few and far in between because of the nature of the game. You can't ask athletes to be out there. It's 90 minutes, correct? You can't so. ask athletes to be out there for 90 minutes sprinting their ass off. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, field it's huge. not humanly possible. No. Whereas football, if you're sprinting for six seconds and now you have a 30-second break, 40-second break, then you can sprint over and over and over again. Yeah. Now, when you're moving that fast, you're changing direction that quickly, and you're you know going at that full speed, that's why we see so many, so many more injuries in a sport like that. So oh, Yeah, they're also like flying into each other. and That helps too, right? Yeah, definitely. I saw a great tweet the other day. Um, all the padded shell helmets that they wear at practices, mm-hmm. and someone said, like, this might be a dumb question, which I don't think it is. Um, but this, he said, this might be a dumb question, but if the padded helmets work so well and they're that intuitive, why don't we wear them in the games? Probably because they they're look ugly. They yeah, because they look dumb. weird. Yeah, they were talking about it um, in Hard Knocks last year with the Lions. That's really? when they introduced them. And players were like, these look funny as hell. Yeah. And they're a little heavier, I think. They make yeah. the helmet heavier. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that would look dumb on the field. It would. But like, it also blocks the. It'd be the logo thing. It'd be a branding. And It'd be a logo thing. Lo- it look terrible. It would. <laughs> it would not look good. Yeah. I mean, I would not be surprised if we saw a major restructuring in the way that helmets look in the next five years. Just well, yeah. for, like, safety, like, you know, on the side of safety of the players. Because the it's com- becoming very public. Exactly. Like the kind of issue we're dealing with. The aftermath. With yeah. And the NFL has obviously lawyered up and done whatever job yeah, they can to people show people. Yeah, people come around, after but, them. Yeah. Uh, back on the contract piece, though. Um, you ever heard of that that luxury tax? Isn't that pretty crazy? I've heard of it, but I've never really delved into it. That's a pretty wild one to, to kind that? of deep dive. I don't really know too much about it. There's one too where like, um, the tra- there's one where you travel. Like different cities will have special taxes for athletes that like travel through there. Mm-hmm. And so if you play in certain city, I thought a lot with these N- uh, NBA players. Excuse me, I saw it a lot with them. If you play in a certain city three times a year, they might have a fifteen hundred dollar tax. So you do that three times, all of a sudden it's forty five hundred out just off. What? There's this certain there's very certain luxury tax. And I think that started with like around the Michael Jordan time was he was one of the ones that kind of initiated that. Yeah, because he it's just crazy. He made like thirty million in one season. 
and that kind of raised my eyebrows. I don't know. I, I think I did this a while back, and I did the inflation rate, and that would that contract today would have been heinous. Are you serious? Yeah. Because in 98, he made $30 million a year. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. <laughs> I've never understood the luxury tax. Here it is. So it's they call it the jock tax. This is what it's called. Okay. Um, it was MJ, Magic, they talk about. And... Let me see if I can't find some more information on it. But could you imagine that? So in the United States, the jock tax is the colloquially named income tax levied against visitors to a city or state who earn money in that jurisdiction. So they're trying to say that since you get maybe a game check or something along those lines, since you're earning money there, that they can tax that and take that off of your paycheck off the top. That doesn't make a whole lot of... It's kind of if dirty. You make a, that doesn't make sense. That's How can they dirty. do that? Huh. What states have a jock tax? The special income imposed by cities and states against visiting athletes when they earn money in that jurisdiction. The special income tax is currently enforced in every U.S. state except Woo. five. Oh. Florida being one of them. Oh. Nevada, Texas, Washington, and Tennessee. Huh. So if you're not playing in one of those states, you're paying, if you're a professional athlete, you're paying a tax? That's trash. That can't be true. That's terrible. I'm curious what the number, the percentage is. And where does that money go? Just to the state, I guess? I'm saying. They got to be making bank off that. You so kidding me? So much money. <laughs> and I wonder if based on your contract, it increases, right? Yeah, I would assume. Because like it's got to be like, it, well, it's either a flat rate or it's a percentage. I would assume it's a percentage because that would be smart to scale it up that way, right? Yeah, because you think Curry, yeah, Stephen Curry's going to be paying the same luxury tax as, like, Seth Curry? No. <laughs> no, he's not. It's not going to happen. Seth. It's trash. <laughs> he threw him under the bus. Had to. Crazy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is funny. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about all that. Um, but that's all we've got for this episode. Hope uh, all the teams out there are having a pretty safe and healthy camp, getting through things one day at a time. Excited to uh, continue to cover all these squads. Coming up later this week, we've got a, a great guest from in the D3 football huddle. Great show if you're familiar with Division Three footballs. This week's all about D3. Um, excited to talk to those guys about this upcoming year as far as Division Three football is concerned. Otherwise, make sure to follow us on the socials. See everything D1 Rejects. Appreciate you guys listening.